Welcome to the Outcomes Rocket Podcast, where we inspire collaborative thinking, improved outcomes, and business success with today's most successful and inspiring healthcare leaders and influencers. And now your host, Saul Marquez. Welcome back once again to the Outcomes Rocket Podcast, where we chat with today's most successful and inspiring healthcare leaders. I want to invite you to go to outcomesrocket.health slash reviews, where you could rate and review today's podcast, because today I have an outstanding guest. His name is Dr. Sunja Schwig. He is an amazing individual who I had the privilege to meet when I was at the Healthcare 2.0 meeting. We had a, a just a wonderful discussion, but he is the co-founder and co-director at the California Center for Functional Medicine. He's an expert in complex chronic illnesses which require rigorous investigation and management. Think of him like the Dr. House. He's been studying, teaching, and practicing integrative and functional medicine for over 20 years. He's built a phenomenal practice with some great partners and an amazing team in California. And what I want to do is just open up the microphone to Sunja to fill in any of the gaps of that intro and welcome him to the podcast. Welcome to the podcast, my friend. Thanks so much, Saul. Uh, that was great. I just really want to add that I'm grateful to be here. I uh, really appreciate the work that you're doing to give us all insights into the process and, and mindset of being a health innovator and thinking outside of the box and bringing so many great minds together in uh, what's just an incredibly exciting and dynamic time in healthcare. So yeah, thank you. Thank you, Sanjay. I will accept those words. Of, uh, uh, and so I wanted to ask you, you know, go back to the beginning. What got you into health? Yeah, so for me, it was really a calling. And, uh, you know, I have not, my, my parents are not physicians. My, my grandpa was a doctor back east, a pediatrician. I didn't know him super well, so it, it kind of was there in the, in a little bit in the back of my head. But, you know, it really kind of came to me in high school. And I really just knew that I wanted to go into medicine. And I also knew that I wanted to practice integrative and holistic medicine. Uh, that's how I was raised as a kid. And so, you know, I went to college at UC Berkeley and studied medical anthropology and religious studies, which is a little bit of an offshoot. But, that is you know, cool, by the way. Yes. Me- medical anthropology? Mm-hmm. That's fascinating. Yeah. yeah. So I was always very, very interested and open to the explanatory model of what people come with. How do yes. they understand their illness? You know, what other modalities are they using? So big picture. Yes. You know, as opposed to Western medicine, which can be kind of reductionist, reductionist science. So it's complicated when you try to bring in that big picture. But yeah, that's always my my framework. And in fact, I did some research in college on alternative medical systems and then worked after college. I didn't go straight to med school. I took some time in between and went and lived in Ecuador for a year. Wow. Um, yeah, it was really Very cool. amazing time. I worked with a, a mobile surgical program there. So literally an operating room in a truck that was designed wow. and built here in California and offering surgical care to the underserved in these super remote places of the Ecuadorian country in the jungle, et cetera. And so that was also an incredibly fascinating time. On the side, I was doing research, uh, trying to understand, you know, how do these rural indigenous people who probably rarely go to the doctor understand what's happening to them when this modern operating room comes and parks in their town four-day run and does 50 or 60 different surgeries. So very interesting time. That is very interesting. And what was the reaction when the truck came and how did the people react? So... The operating the, the facility was performing uh, procedures which were non-emergent, so it okay. was all planned ahead. Things like gallbladder surgery or undescended testicle surgery for 
for kids or tubal ligations in some cases, lipoma removals, et cetera. So elective things that could be scheduled in advance. So it was a little bit of a pipeline that people kind of knew what was Gotcha. But still, it was fascinating, you know, and talking with some of the people, the, you know, men and the women and mothers and the fathers about their kids. And you know, there was definitely this sort of, you know, a little bit of mystical, magical thinking around what was happening. And it was gratifying to be able to speak with them and reassure them also to kind of tell them what we were looking at and what they could expect in terms of going into the truck and coming out the other side on a gurney. <laughs> so Yeah. That is super interesting, Sunja. And so what did that experience do for you and the way that you serve your patients and the community where you're in now? Yeah. So it's really, I think we can draw a, a trajectory from my childhood up through studying medical anthropology and religious studies, digging into people's explanatory models, um, working in Ecuador, you know, all the way up to now, which is in our practice. And, and we'll dive into this a little bit, but our practice really serves the mystery patients, the patients who have seen 10 or 15 doctors and are still sick and haven't gotten answers and chronic illness, um, a lot of, like you mentioned, kind of detective work like Dr. House. Yes. And so really in that setting, the relationship between the doctor and the patient is really frequently one of collaboration and of communication and listening and you know, just being present for anything that will give you clues and, and you know, really letting the, the patient tell their story. That's really interesting. Do you work with patients remotely too, or do you just work with them in your office? No, we do a, a lot of virtual care. Do you? Um, yeah. So I would say on average, my week is probably about one third of in-person visits and then two thirds virtual, either phone or video. And we use a, a secure telemedicine platform for the video visits. We do require that our patients come and see us in person for the first visit and then annually after that, just for, you know, so that we're covered under our, our California license. And we're, we're working out the kinks a little bit. You know, telemedicine is still, I mean, it's a incredibly hot area and it's going to be the way of the future, but there's still some kinks in terms of regulation, regulatory uh, issues to, to figure out. So it's a, it's an ongoing learning experience. But again, even our local California patients, you know, living in the Bay Area, with the traffic as it is, people frequently opt for the, the virtual visit. And as many of us know, you know, if there's something acute and I need to do an exam, then obviously I want them in person in the office. But much yes. of the care can be provided phone, video. We have a secure portal messaging system where almost all of our patient communication flows through. And so we do a lot of management in that manner. Huh, very interesting. So maybe an area that we could start with, uh, Sunja, is... is um talking about the different models of care and where your model and what you and your team do and how it's different. Yeah, absolutely. So you know, I think the place to really focus is to understand how much trouble we're in in this country with regards to our medical system and particularly with regards to chronic illness management. You know, Western medicine is incredible. And if I need a surgery or if I get into a car accident, I will go to the hospital. I will seek that care. And it, it is basically magical in terms of what we can do at this point in time with the level of technology we have for saving people's lives in that setting. However, on the flip side of it, our patients who have chronic illnesses, chronic illness is basically the greatest healthcare crisis in, of our time, in my opinion. We're seeing for the first time that we have a shorter lifespan expectation. You know, people's quality of life is completely disrupted. And it really, we really see it as threatening the fabric of our society as well as the health of future generations. And it's, it's, it's largely 
the problem is that there's a mismatch going on. There's a mismatch between our genetics, there's a mismatch between our biology and what we're doing, how we're eating, what we're doing in terms of activity, what we're doing in terms of technology exposure, screen exposure, and then how the healthcare system is really built. I think of the, from a functional medicine model, we think of this model of a tree and up at the outer leaves and branches is where all of our specialists reside. And most of what we do from a chronic illness management point of view is try to prune back the final manifestations and control, help bring down somebody's blood pressure, try to control their blood sugar, try to control inflammation, try to tamper down the immune system in a variety of immune uh, inflammatory or autoimmune illnesses. And that's symptoms. Symptoms, symptom management, and again, trying to just prune back those final manifestations. What we do in functional medicine, in contrast to that, is we try to look as far down that tree as we can. Right. So down at the roots, we're talking about the basic, basic inputs. What are people eating? What's their exercise and movement patterns like? What's their stress and resilience like? Sleep, uh, relationships, uh, trauma, microorganism, more chronic infection, exposure, toxins, environmental pollutants, et cetera. And that's filtered up through the trunk, which we can think of as their genetics, their genetic predisposition, their uh, attitudes, beliefs, spiritual constructs. And then from there, it flows into, starts to become this uh, sort of core clinical imbalances, which then results into symptoms, right? If we're working way down that tree in the roots of the trunk, the really fun thing from our point of view is that it almost doesn't matter sometimes what the actual diagnosis is because you're starting to look instead for common pathways and things like inflammation or immune dysregulation or mitochondrial dysregulation or autoimmune activation, chronic infections, et cetera, those things become core unifying principles that we start to target. And you can get to those from many different angles. So from a functional medicine or integrative medicine point of view, you have this much broader toolkit and it offers you a huge number of different modalities to intervene. So Dr. Schweig, give us an example of one of those channels that you could access. Sure. So patient comes in and the humorous way of putting it would be, you know, the, the folks who come, the folks who come see the holistic doctor are the people who have a whole list of medical problems. Right? <laughs> so, That's a good you know, one. yeah. So they might have a bunch of different gastrointestinal issues, cognitive impairment, sleep disruption, body pain, chronic fatigue type picture, bloating, etc. So we basically cast this really wide net and look at a bunch of different lab studies and it can be costly up front. However, what's really amazing is that if you invest that cost, that money up front, is that you get answers that then, again, can reverse and pull people back from these chronic illnesses. So again, we cast this wide net. We start immediately with dietary intervention, putting them on elimination diets, calming down the inflammation and autoimmune activation, get them meditating, get them you know, plugged in with our health coaches, start working on lifestyle, start working on barriers to change. And then by the time they come back for the second visit, they've already started to see improvement before we've really given them anything to take, given them any quote unquote magic bullet, et cetera. So yes. they're starting to then change their mindset of, wow, that you know, I do have ownership on this. I do have the potential to shift the course of this. And then from that point, we start to address the findings that we've seen on the lab studies. And almost always we start with the gastrointestinal system and adrenal system, you know, trying to fixed dysregulations in those areas, gastrointestinal system is core because over 70% of our, our immune system resides there. And, you know, huge, huge Is it lever. 70%? Yeah. Wow. 
That's high. Yeah, if you think about the um, amount of information that our immune system has to process in a given day, the massive, overwhelming majority of that is coming through our mouth. Right. You know, our skin experiences some, our lungs experience some. But you know, in terms of just quantity, almost most of that's coming through our gut. And our gut is really the interface. You know, The tube from our mouth all the way down to our anus is the outside world, right? And yes. then, so the gut is the interface of what does our body keep out and what does our body allow to come in. That's working well and in balance and we have good microbial diversity if our microbiota and microbiome is intact. All body systems are functioning in a much better way. However, if that, if that gets disrupted, the downstream effects take effect over almost any body system. So again, that pipeline, you know, get them working on themselves, uh, provide them support, start working on their gut, start working on imbalances of various nutrients and vitamins, et cetera, and then tackle triggers, tackle things that are keeping them in that dysregulated state. And a lot of time we see chronic infections that are at the root of that. So it gets complicated, but again, so, so gratifying on my end as a doctor to do this work. It's wonderful to be able to give people hope and give people yes. new directions. And then of course, to see outcomes. That's so fascinating, Dr. Schweig. And just thinking about it from the standpoint of, you know, we all know somebody or are that somebody that is struggling with an illness, a chronic illness that you just can't find answers to. And yeah. so it's awesome to know that there's alternatives and uh, holistic ways to, I, I laughed at your whole list, but the reality is, you know, there are whole lists of things that these people go through and what can we do to address those? And so if you're listening to this and you know somebody, I invite you to go visit Dr. Schweig's website. It's uh, ccfmed.com. That's Charlie Charlie Frank Med, M-E-D.com. And he does a really good job of walking through what they do over there. But uh, what a great introduction to a different way. And so if the normal way has not worked for you or your loved ones, check out what he and his team are up to. Okay, maybe I would just love to hear, Sanja, a story, a patient story, uh, confidential, you know, no names, but uh, a success that you've had. Yeah, absolutely. One that comes to mind is a 36-year-old woman who came to see me and she had done a huge amount of international travel and across a wide variety of developing countries. And had been mostly healthy, had some exposures, including a few different tick bites abroad even. But her main symptoms that she was experiencing was what her rheumatologist thought was rheumatoid arthritis. So knee swelling, knee pain, inflammation, fluid buildup to the point where, you know, she was having trouble walking. She was having trouble walking from her home to the subway and getting herself to work and back. And so we, again, did this really comprehensive workup, and we found a variety of different possible triggers. Again, focusing on the gut, we found some dysbiotic organisms, some imbalances in her gastrointestinal system. She had low IgA, immunoglobulin A, on her gut, uh, signifying sort of ongoing process that was causing um, immune dysregulation over time. She had a test that was positive for SIBO, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth even though she didn't have a large amount of direct gastrointestinal symptoms. So some of these conditions can affect the gut and cause a ton of different GI symptoms from bloating, gas, IBS, constipation, diarrhea, alternating, pain, nausea, et cetera. But she didn't have a ton of that. So it was a little bit of a leap hmm. of faith for me to tell her, okay, no, we have to focus here. We have to treat this. Um, interestingly, she also had some exposure to some tick-borne pathogens, including 
Borrelia burgdorferi, or with the causative agent for Lyme disease. Huh. And so our first steps for her was, again, to focus on her gut and to focus on balancing some other nutrient abnormalities, vitamin D, et cetera. And over time, over the next six months, it took time. It was a work in progress, but she gradually got better. Her knees improved. Um, she got to the point where she could walk without a problem. She would notice a little wow. bit of, yeah, she would notice a little bit of pain by the end of the, the week um, of, you know, commuting. She was able to get off of the methotrexate that her rheumatologist had prescribed. So very compelling. And we put her also onto some herbal protocols to cover some of the suspected tick-borne infections. And the body is so complex, it's not always clear what's the trigger. But with this really comprehensive protocol, again, she improved. It was a little bit up and down. You know, the way I kind of look at it with patients, it's not uncommon for us to see some improvement and then some drops, kind of like two steps forward, one step back. But over time and covering ourselves through those interventions, retesting the SIBO, uh, we had to retreat her, uh, I think, two different times. You know, now she's to the point where she's basically symptom-free. And so, awesome. Yeah. So here's this young woman. Had she stayed with the standard care, she would have escalated up the care ladder. She would have gone on to use more and more extremely expensive immunomodulatory drugs with potential side effects to her, with definite side effects to the healthcare system. Yes. You know, she would have used more specialty care. She would have probably gone on to develop additional autoimmune diseases. You know, we don't understand autoimmune disease super well in Western medicine, but we do know that if you have one, your chances of getting a second or a third or more is much, much higher. You know, so her trajectory, both in terms of her personal health, as well as her cost to the medical system was very concerning. So with this sort of comprehensive approach, Again, we were able to reverse that with benefit for her and the society at large. So it was very exciting medicine. Wow. Well, congratulations to you and, and to her as well and her family for just this recovery. It's a really awesome story. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, you're welcome. And you know, there's a question I'm sure in the back of the listeners' minds right now. How do I pay for this? You know, yeah. insurance is, is one thing. Is this something that you guys take, you don't take? I know that, that it's a burn. I know it's burning in the back of their minds. It's burning in the back of mine. Absolutely. Yeah, we are a direct-to-consumer practice. So we are a cash practice and the patients do pay at the time of visit. And unfortunately, I think that's the way of the future for many different types of medicine, not just ours. You know, you hear a lot sure. of different providers going that way because of how broken the system is. And it's going to take some kind of major disruption to figure out how we're going to help people pay for their care. But the fact is that you don't really know anymore what you're getting with health insurance when you sign up for a plan. It's not until you go try to access that care and order a blood test or order an MRI or see a doctor that you actually understand what you're going to pay. So my take on that is, well, it's probably a smarter move at this point to have an HSA type plan where you have a smaller premium, you have a deductible, but you can do that pre-tax HSA account. And then you have choice with your dollars of what to do with them. And you're covered in case of a catastrophic emergency. But again, you have that ability to, since you're probably going to be paying for some of that care anyway. Right. So that's one system side of it. The other side, that's a super important question. And it is unfortunate that it does kind of filter the care to the people who can afford to lay out that money. And we're really trying to upend that. And there's some colleagues of ours as well. Dr. Robin Berzin at Parsley Health, you know, they have a really nice sort of monthly fee model that's not unreasonable. You know, anywhere from 100 to $250 a month, you get services. We're working also to leverage technology and also health coaches so that we can offload a good amount of that care to 
a less expensive provider and or to a technological solution that then also provides more of a fabric, more of a support system for the patients. But there's also the healthcare system is starting to wake up a little bit to this. The best example of that is at the Cleveland Clinic. One of our friends and colleagues, Dr. Mark Hyman, who's a New York Times bestselling author, him and Patrick Hannaway started the Cleveland Clinic Center for Functional Medicine. Oh, nice. Toby Cosgrove of the Cleveland Clinic was very forward thinking and basically said, what do you need? How are we going to make this work? Cleveland Clinic put, I think, between 50 to $60 million towards this project. Wow. And the Functional Medicine Center opened. Uh, five, zero, six, zero? five zero? Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Five zero. That's a serious commitment. So they're believers. And the that clinic is completely booked up. Long waiting lists. They're, huh. they're struggling to hire enough doctors and staff to fill the need. And they're going to be in the next one to five years providing us with more and more research showing outcomes and showing how this kind of care where you invest up front in the visit, you, you know, the reason why it's costly is not because we're gouging the system, it's because we're asking to have more time with our patients. My new patient visit is 90 minutes, my follow up is 45 to 60. And our current system pays, doesn't pay for time. You know, that's why the primary care doctors have to move people through in six to 15 minute increments. Right. Talking doesn't pay. The procedures pay, the imaging pays, the lab studies pay, but talk doesn't. And so, you know, in order to offset that cost, they're going to provide that research that shows that this is effective, cost effective. If you invest up front, if you allow more time, dig into these complex problems that you, again, prevent the cost to the system on the back end in exponential measure. Very cool. Thanks for diving into that that detail and providing that example. Did not know that the uh, Cleveland Clinic had done that. Yeah, very exciting project. For, uh, it's wonderful. And to have an institution like that backing uh, care type like the one you guys are, are rolling with, it's just that research that they're going to pump out that helps back up what you guys are doing. It seems like it's a really exciting time for this practice and, and this field. It's a very, very exciting time. Yeah, it's wonderful. It's a challenge is to find bandwidth to, to jump into all the aspects that need attention. But yeah, very, very fun time. I'm having a ton of fun. That's awesome. And that's so, the cool, that's the, briefly, that's the wonderful thing. You know, my partner, Chris Kresser, um, who's well known in the paleo field, he's developing a clinician training program. He's developed it and rolled it out and also a health coach training program. The Institute for Functional Medicine trains doctors in this. And over and over and over again, you hear from these doctors and providers that they're on this burnout track. I don't know how I'm going to continue. I can't keep doing this. It's, I, you know, I'm it's not, very real. Very real. They find functional medicine, they transition their practice, and all of a sudden, it's just the lights come on again. They're oh. like excited, passionate, you know, wanted. Yeah, so it's really fun. That's so cool. Even transforming provider lives. Yeah, yeah. that's exciting. If you're a provider listening to this, something to think about. Absolutely. <laughs> wow. I'm just looking at the clock here, Sunja. The time just flies. We're here to the end. So I want to do the, the quick lightning round with you, wrap it up with just a couple takeaways for the listeners. So we're going to do the 101, the ABCs of Dr. Sanja Shuai. And so I've got four lightning round questions for you, followed by a book that you recommend to the listeners. You ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. All right. What's the best way to improve healthcare outcomes? Treat the root cause and not just the symptoms. What's the biggest mistake or pitfall to avoid? We can no longer allow ourselves to uh, believe that our current trajectory in healthcare is sustainable. We really, really must act to change course uh, to offer better care, better solutions to both the patients, uh, the doctors, and the healthcare system itself. How do you stay relevant as an organization or a practice despite constant change? 
Yeah, the word that comes to mind there is connection. You know, I think that I see that on many different levels, uh, connection to myself and my own values, uh, connection to my patients, so we can anticipate their needs, and connection to colleagues um, like yourself, to other professionals, even across this really diverse space in, in technology, in AI. In, so that kind of cross-pollination, I think, is critical. Love it. What's one area of focus that should drive everything else in your practice? Yeah, so this one's kind of old school. Um, you know, I think service, service to our patients, our practitioners and our staff. That's the, one of the most important things to me. That's beautiful, especially in this uh, six to 15 minute world that we live in as consumers, we want service. And so I think, Sanja, you guys are answering a cry for more. And so I want to acknowledge what you and your team are doing. It's so beautiful. And I know that it's resonating with your patients. So I just want to acknowledge you and, and, and just say wonderful job. Yeah, thank you, Sal. I really appreciate that. Thanks. <laughs> Absolutely. What book would you recommend to the listeners? I really would like everyone to take a look at the, the book my partner just wrote called Unconventional Medicine. It's a deep dive into the multiple aspects that we've been talking about here. And another book that's really resonated for me is Thomas Friedman's book called Thank You for Being Late, which is a really wonderful deep dive into what we're talking about here with this healthcare issue with functional medicine and chronic illness management. It's kind of indicative of this age of accelerations that we're living in, where we really have to shift much of what we're doing and how we're doing it on a societal level as we transition. So. Outstanding. Listeners, don't worry about writing any of that down. All the show notes, book links, website links are available at outcomesrocket.health slash Sunja. That's S-U-N as in Nancy, J-Y-A. So Sunja, this has been awesome. If you can just share a closing thought with the listeners and the best place that they could get in touch with you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, again, it's been an honor and a pleasure. I'm so glad that we had the chance to meet at Health 2.0 last year. Best place to get a hold of me, uh, you mentioned it previously, but our, our clinic website, ccfmed.com. My personal website is Dr. Schweig, D-R Schweig, S-C-H-W-E-I-G. That's also my Twitter handle, at Dr. Schweig. Outstanding. And a closing thought? Yeah. So let's all brainstorm. Let's all work together. Let's all acknowledge that we need this kind of change and let's all work together to make it happen. Connect the dots. Love it. Dr. Schweig, thank you so much for your time and uh, excited to get this one out to the listeners. Awesome. Thank you, Saul. Thanks for listening to the Outcomes Rocket podcast. Be sure to visit us on the web at www.outcomesrocket.com for the show notes, resources, inspiration, and so much more.